Hi there. Welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Alana here with Jamie. How are you, Jamie? I'm doing great. Did you hear that I changed it up? Yes, I noticed that. Did it throw you off? It didn't because I was thinking, how am I going to respond to how am I doing? Am I going (laughs) to say better than I deserve? Like Dave Ramsey, am I going (laughs) to say something coy and funny or am I just going to say I'm good? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to say I'm great. Uh, I'm glad you're great. (laughs) Well, I changed it up one because we just recorded like two minutes ago. I know. And it just feels funny to say the exact same thing. (laughs) It kind of does. But also we're actually talking about this today, like Mm -hmm. the conventions that we use when we pray and what's convention, what's a good idea, what's a rule, what's maybe even like less than ideal, but we do it because that's what we've been taught. So Mm -hmm. welcome back to another part of our just kind of mini series on the basics of prayer. And I'm really excited to dissect some of these conventions because, you know, the saying that a fish doesn't know that it's wet. I sort of feel like that's what we're doing here. We're teasing apart some of these things that as Christian women who have been praying for decades, we may have never even stopped to wonder why we do certain things the way we do when we pray. I agree. And sometimes I look at things in the world. Like I challenge myself to see certain things, whether it's walking into a church or walking into a school or thinking about the way that we do certain things. And I kind of challenge myself to look at it from the perspective of someone who's either completely removed from our culture or Mm -hmm. like, because I love sci-fi, like an alien from outer space coming to observe. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I just kind of am like, what would I think or our family, even like every family has their own culture and their own like climate. And I'm like, how would I feel if I was observing my family and me in particular, the way that I treat Mm -hmm. my kids or talk to them or the way we do things like Mm -hmm. what would an outside observer think? And so I think that's the way we need to come into this is deconstructing the way that we do things. Yeah. Both from our own culture and from the culture of the Bible, because it was written with a certain culture in mind, which is different Mm -hmm. from the cultures we live in, which I think this is a very important time to mention that as I've looked at our charts and where our podcast is listened to, we're listened to like in all over the, all over the world from Mm -hmm. many, many Mm -hmm. different countries and cultures. I kind of always assume that I'm speaking to the 90% of people that listen in the United States, but there's 10% of the people that listen to our podcast that are all Mm -hmm. over the world, which is it's, I think this will be a great conversation for all of us wherever. Oh yeah. Especially if you have different prayer conventions in your culture, Mm -hmm. one, you can kind of think about those too. We would love to hear about them because Uh, again, a fish doesn't know that it's wet. We as kind of just middle-aged ish American women don't know a whole lot. (laughs) You know, like I haven't left Alaska. I have left Alaska maybe like twice in the last five years. Now granted one of those times was to go out of the country. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, so I'm excited. You know, what's funny. You talk about like how would an alien look at some of our customs and things. I do something similar, but I do mine with the voiceover of the narrator of those discovery shows. Oh, I love it. Animals. (laughs) So I've, I've always thought it would be so funny to have a satire show about like humans from the discovery channel kind of set up like, and the mother takes her, her babies to the daycare or, or like the dating conventions, you know, like the male walks and offers to buy a drink for the female. (laughs) She will accept or refuse, you know, (laughs) just having that voice explaining some of our customs. Oh, I love it. Well, there was something, it wasn't with the voiceover, but there was a movie that I loved. It was, I think it was called babies and it Mm -hmm. was a documentary and it was silent. Well, it wasn't silent. It didn't have a narrator, but it just had like these clips from parents of babies and their interactions Mm -hmm. with the babies or lack Uh thereof over like from all different, all these different continents, basically. And it was neat. You need to look it up if you haven't seen it. It's very, very neat. Just kind of to show the differences in parenting. Like, is that kind of 
I think that's the idea. I think yeah. the idea behind it was to show kind of the, the different um, cultural yeah. ways that we engage with our children. And it was, it was very cool, very neat, but yeah. at the same time to highlight the unity of like, we all love our babies and Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, very neat. And we all do the baby voice. Like that's universal across any language. You know, it's a little baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't do it or your dog's going to run up here thinking that you're. <laughs> he does. He gets so <laughs> jealous when I do baby talk. Even if I'm looking like the kids and I will gather around and watch a little video of him and say, oh, he's so cute. Look and at him. He'll get jealous. And he will get jealous of his own video. And right now he was downstairs the last I tried to get him to come up here while uh-huh. I was recording and he was sleeping in a corner. So I left mm-hmm. him alone, but mm-hmm. we'll see if he hears the baby talk from afar. <laughs> <The> baby talk. <laughs> well, I'm excited for this discussion because it is our convention. Let's open with a word of prayer. Let's do it. God, we just thank you for an opportunity to talk about prayer and to talk about the conventions that we hold to. And we just pray that you would open our minds, open our hearts to examine why we do the things we do. Why do we hold on to certain things and help us to be willing to let go of some things and to know which things that we should hold on to the, the things that, um, that are beneficial. And we just pray that you would continue to help us to grow deeper in our relationship with you and to grow in our prayer lives through this discussion in Jesus name. Amen. Our verse of the day is a continuation of our previous verse, um, whatever passage from Matthew six. So the last time we spoke a couple weeks ago, we were in Matthew six verses five and six, and this is a continuation. This is verses seven and eight. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And I think this is addressing, um, I actually, I think I misquoted this. I think I was saying that he was saying, no, I think it does say don't stand on the street corners where you can be seen to go in your prayer closet. But this is don't babble (laughs) like the pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many words, which Mm -hmm. that was their custom was to right. to go on and on and on because there are many mm-hmm. words i think of um the the hare krishna movement uh-huh. of the 70s or 60s and just how there was this like just just you know chanting over and over the same thing yeah um but even within the christian tradition there have been movements of repetition and mm-hmm. you know i wouldn't call it babbling but there, there are chanting things, not to say that some of those aren't beneficial in some way, but don't be like the pagans who think that because of their many words, this is Mm -hmm. like the, the longer you talk, the more likely you will to be heard because God already knows. Yeah. I need to say the Lord's prayer 20 times, you know, or the, the Christ before me kind of poems, prayer chant. Are you familiar with that one? It's um, I think it's attributed to St. Patrick. Are okay. you familiar? I am a little, but I, the let, let me look it up for me. Christ Can you pause this real quick? Me. Yep. Actually, while you're looking, I was going to say, um, do you remember? This is a little sacrilegious. So plug your ears okay. if you don't like, uh, I guess if you're listening and you, you don't like Saturday Night Live parodies on things that I don't know. No, we'll edit this out if you think this is inappropriate. So there was the skit on Saturday Night Live where Jesus was in the kitchen and like there was this like the mom or someone or I don't know, someone in the family was praying and they just kept on praying and praying and praying. And Jesus came into the room and was like, for goodness sake, can you leave me alone? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, this know. is the the Christ before me. Okay. Um, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. 
There are parts about it that I love. I love how kind of all encompassing it is. Mm -hmm. And we've talked some before about almost like throwing out a blanket prayer. Like Mm -hmm. to me, this is a thorough blanket prayer. This is like God be in every single thing I do. Yeah. I love that. I like that part of it, but there's also this part where like, if it just becomes like, once you got it memorized and if you feel like, okay, I got to say this three times a day, you know, that kind of thing, it could turn into, you, you might risk getting on towards the kind of the babble or the superstition or things. And there's a danger with that. No matter what I remember when I was a kid, I committed to read one chapter of the Bible every day. My, um, Mm. I still have the little Bible that my, my Sunday school teacher, Mr. Dennison, he was an elderly man who was not what you would consider like appealing to young people, Mm -hmm. but he had such an impact on my life. Mm -hmm. He was so serious about studying the Bible and he gave each of us one of those little new testaments, the little tiny pocket new Mm -hmm. Testament. And he wrote, and I, I wrote in it to, you know, that it was from Mr. Dennison and I still have it. Um, he challenged us to read one chapter of the Bible every day. Mm -hmm. And so I committed to do that, but the way I got around it on days, I remember there were some days where I remember being at a sleepover with one of my friends where Mm -hmm. I actually went into, they were all, they were downstairs and I went upstairs and I actually read a chapter of the Bible, but I remember other times when I was super tired and I, and I memorized one of the Psalms Uh and it was the shortest one that I could find. And I memorized it and I would go through it really fast. Uh Um, And it was like, Oh, how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the dew of Hermon, the dew that descended from the mountains of Zion to do that, whatever fell off of Uh Aaron's beard. And there the Lord commanded even life forevermore. I I did not just quote it directly, but it was something like that from the revised standard version. And that was that superstition. It was mm-hmm. babble. It was, I didn't, I just went through it and I was like, there, I said a verse of the Bible. I, I made yeah. my obligation for yeah. the day. My husband will get on the kids sometimes when they do that, yeah. you know, dear God, thank you for this food and for this good day. And, you know, like right. put, put some kind of thought into it. So I, I like what Paul says. He says, I'm going to pray with my, this is paraphrase. I'm going to pray in my words and I'm also going to pray in my spirit. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? And yeah. I think there's, is there a time to just kind of say the words? Of course there is, you know, dear God, help us have a great day and bless my kids as they go off to school. I think that's a great prayer to habitually pray every single time you see the kids out the door. Yeah. But there is a risk of taking it just as a superstition. So you forget, and you know, that's going to be the day that your kid gets a bad grade on their test or something. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of putting putting the power on you as opposed to God. Do you know what I mean? Like, look what I did to make my kids have such a good day. I think the other risk is it gets so repetitive that it turns into kind of nothing. It does. You know what I mean? I do. Mm -hmm. Cause I feel that way with each of our kids when they have a hockey game Um, and sometimes practices when we know that it's going to be something important or tryouts, like Mm -hmm. every time I pray for them, um, when I drop our oldest off at school, um, I pray with him, but those prayers have become, it's been hard not to just make it for, for, for me and probably for him and them. I feel like it's been hard not to be repetitive and say the same things. God, mm-hmm. I just pray you would, you would bless this kid in their, um, in their game, protect them from injuries, help them to yeah. be a good sport and a great teammate, help them to have energy. And, um, and I have this great, uh, three C's prayer that my mother-in-law loves to pray, which is the confidence, calmness, and concentration. Mm-hmm but I, I incorporate those elements in different ways, but it starts to feel repetitive. It starts to feel like babbling. Like it's just to make sure that we have the, the prayer before they go in. So that is a challenge. Sometimes I think this one is talking about going on and on and on, but with, and with feeling me, like the repetition and the superstition. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think what you me. do is, is perfect. I don't feel like it needs to get changed up every time. I just think that we should, reserve five to 10% of our mental energy to make sure that we're still kind of engaging 
with what we're saying. Like I used to have the goal, like, have you ever read the Bible and you just kind of realize, okay, your mind's wandered a tiny bit. Yeah. Right. A lot. Yeah. Like you're still reading, but if someone's like, what's the the very last sentence you read, you'd be like, "Uh, I'm not really sure, Mm -hmm. you know? To me, like, that's okay. It doesn't mean that you have to like go back, <laughs> you know, like, I don't think the goal needs to be a hundred percent mental engagement a hundred percent of the time, but I would say, yeah, like while you're praying that with your kids for hockey, it might be the same things each time you might have kind of made it habitual. And honestly, like that's a blessing too, because think about how hard it would be to have to come up with everything. Like there's a reason why we get into habits and it's to kind of save our brain power from having to reinvent the wheel every time. But, Mm -hmm. you know, so maybe your goal isn't like a hundred percent mental focus. Maybe your goal is just like keeping a small percent of your brain engaged so that you're, you're still aware of what you're saying. You know, it's not a chant. Um, My cousins would all hold hands before a meal and sing the doxology and they didn't, thank God for like, that was their prayer. And I'm like, this is so weird, (laughs) but like, there's a place for repetition. There's a Mm -hmm. place for customs and traditions. And I think they're all fine and good as long as we don't treat them with that superstition. And I think they're best when, yeah, you keep at least some of your mind engaged, but to be fair, like how many conversations do you have with your husband, right? When he comes home from work that are basically the same as 90% of the conversations you have with your husband when he comes home from work. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Like there's, there's, there's something to be said for routine as well. Well, one thing that's interesting is I was raised in a church that was very liturgical and we had responsive readings. We sang Mm -hmm. the doxology and when I was in it, it seemed repetitive. And I, definitely took the words in a lot. Um, and other times didn't, but now that I've been removed from that for so many years, and I've been involved in more non-denominational churches that have very little, if any liturgy associated with them, I love, like, I've come to really appreciate some Mm -hmm. of those things like the doxology. When I sing it, I'm like, Mm -hmm. wow, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And there's this one responsive reading. I don't know what it's in the Methodist, whatever, uh, Mm -hmm. the book that had the responsive readings and stuff, but it's, um, it's a prayer and it's like, you know, Oh God, from whom, uh, or to whom all hearts are open and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy spirit that we may, Mm -hmm. um, something by thought, word, and deed that we would perfectly love thee and worthily magnify thy holy name that those words like Mm -hmm. flow into my prayers sometimes when I'm just praising God. And it is, there's some really beautiful things in there, but when we do repeat them too much, it does kind of gloss over. Yeah. We we do gloss over them or it does kind of go over our heads. And so maybe taking a look at those things, if you are in a church Mm -hmm. where you read those kinds of things, maybe once in a while, take a moment and just try to look at it from the perspective of, of an alien from outer space or, or a discovery channel narrator, a discovery channel. (laughs) Yeah. Get uh, what's his name anyway. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And to be fair, if you hadn't sometimes said those words with a tiny bit of habituatedness, you probably wouldn't have memorized it. You know what I mean? So I don't think that's a good point. I like that. Sometimes you know, like who doesn't know Psalm 23, even if you've never sat down to try to memorize Psalm 23, right? You just Do you know what I mean? Like if you've been in the church it. long enough, you can most likely recite Psalm 23. And yeah, so I'm, I'm not against the liturgy or repetition. I'm just against treating it real superstitiously. Right. Or making it a convention that, that you do without understanding why or ever thinking mm-hmm. about what it means. I exactly. Think yeah, exactly. So our just for fun today, speaking of prayer conventions is what's your favorite physical posture to take when you pray? So I, when I am praising, I'm not necessarily all prayer, but when I am praising God, whether it's through song or group worship or just praising him in general, I feel like my hands, I want my hands to be up like 
all mm-hmm. the way. And mm-hmm. there've been times I've gone to many different kinds of churches and sometimes it's okay to raise your hands. Other times mm-hmm. I don't want to draw attention to myself. I'll never say right. it's not okay to raise your hands, but right. I don't want to draw attention away from yeah. the service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I do, like I, when I, I will close my eyes and my spirit's hands are raised. I, don't I love know. that. It, and <laughs> That's it's, cool. It's just interesting. It's like, I, I will close my eyes and in my mind, like I reach my hands up with my uh-huh. spirit and That's cool. I love that. Um, and then the other thing is that I do, and this is more of a, how do you not pray? I always uncross my legs when I'm in a church service <laughs> or like, it's I don't weird. know why it is, but if my legs are crossed and I'm kind of casual and just sitting oh, like okay. they often are like hmm. when it's time to pray, I I don't know if it's intentional or a decision or uncross my legs and whether I fold my hands or close my eyes or not. Uh I just don't like, like, to me, it feels like I'm being like, it's almost too casual. I want to like, but that doesn't mean that someone else can't, I want to make sure. No, I get it. Yeah. Because you can do whatever you want, but I just, I like that. Like, it's like a subtle submission to God. Like I'm coming into the throne room and I don't want you to think I'm casual about it. Wow. Do you think that comes from kind of a more formal liturgical style of worship when you were growing up? I don't because I don't feel like, um, no. And Mm -hmm. the only reason, because I think when I was younger, I would keep my legs crossed and just bow my head. I don't think it mattered. I think it's more Mm -hmm. like a I don't Something know you added as an adult. Yeah. And it's, it's not it, but, but I don't do it uh, to, I don't, it's not like, because I feel like I need to look a certain way. Right. No, um, I get it. And I even do it here, like on the pod, yeah. I noted, like I'll even do it here on the podcast. It's not because I feel like I have to, it's because I want mm-hmm. to. So it, well, that makes sense. There's a lot to be said for different types of mental cues. And maybe yeah. that just is a mental cue to yourself, like this is prayer time. Like when I coach authors who are trying to get more productive in their writing, we talk about what are like a couple things that you can do before you start writing to just tune in on the fact that it's writing time. So a different posture, a different location, um, wear your fuzzy bathrobe, but you only wear it when you're writing, you know, those kinds of things. It sounds kind of like that. Yeah. And I, if I could, I think I would be totally fine with sitting crisscross applesauce in mm-hmm. a chair. My legs don't do that well. They don't fold. <laughs> they don't fold up as gracefully as I would like. So I don't, I don't think I would have a problem with that. There's just something about crossing my legs. I don't know. But anyway, uh-huh. how about you? That's hilarious. Um, well, this I'm will weird. come as no surprise to you. I like to pace when I, I figured that would be yeah. your go-to. I mean, that's really, really easy, yeah. but Number two is actually like curled up in a cozy chair with my robe on, my feet tucked up. So I'm the exact opposite, like as cozy and as comfortable as possible is my number two. Tucked up to me is okay. Oh, okay. So (laughs) I would not feel if I'm like curled up and tucked up, I'm, it's just my legs, like my one leg crossed over the other is for Uh whatever reason, I just associate that with just. I don't know, but tucked up and cozy. Like I almost feel like that would be because I also like, like on my knees on the ground. Sometimes I feel uh-huh. like I need to be like that sometimes. And that's, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's just, I, I'm a weirdo. Interesting. That's all that it boils down to that. <laughs> but this is so cool because this is exactly the point. Like think about your prayer conventions and ask yourself, where they come from. Right. And in your case, it's a big, I have no idea. I don't know, know, but what it does, it makes me feel closer to God. It makes me feel more prostrate to God. And so I, I think whatever, if your convention draws you near to God, Mm -hmm. by all means do it. And if your convention puts a wall up or makes you feel like you're further from God, Mm -hmm. than you would have been, uh, yeah if you did something different, then Mm -hmm. remove that so that you can be closer to him. 
with the caveat that in a public worship setting, I think there is a reason to be kind of like you, you know, like I wish that every church would be totally fine with hands raised, but some churches, it would be distracting to some people. For me, I would prefer to always pray with my eyes open, but I know that some people, if they saw that, well, first of all, that would mean that their eyes were open too. But if, if they saw that, they might think that I was being disrespectful. So sometimes I think it's okay to follow convention for the sake of convention. Like if the worship leader says, let's all stand to pray. And you really, really, really want to sit with your legs uncrossed. In most cases, I'd say like, go with the convention, you know, like, unless you have a health reason not to, because you don't want to, you don't want to be distracting. And here's the last kind of caveat for now, at least is, you know, we're not going to judge other people by their conventions, right? Like I know that if, when I come over and visit you and we get together and pray that you're not going to be looking at my legs to see if I've uncrossed my legs (laughs) or if I'm just (laughs) the floozy who prays with her legs crossed. A prayer floozy. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that's, I, I would say that's the other thing. Remember that there are some things that are just convention and not sin issues. And those are things that you don't need to judge somebody else on. Well, there's a woman that wrote into us that said that she had health issues that prevented her from standing up during worship. Mm -hmm. And she was judged by others who were looking down on her because she wouldn't stand up during worship. They found it disrespectful and it hurt her, her feelings very badly. And so, yeah, that's a huge reminder. And so I I think what you said is perfect. Like let's live our lives to minimize attention being drawn to ourselves during corporate worship, but to Mm -hmm. minimize judgment on others who may be doing something that might appear to be drawing attention to themselves because it's different, Mm -hmm. but we don't know what's going on in their heart. And if so, yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, if your king takes off his robe and starts dancing to praise God in his undies, you just go ahead and let him dance in his undies. Who am I to criticize? (laughs) It's a reference to King David for people like, what in the world is she talking about? Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, basically what we have are just a ton of the conventions that I could think of, and maybe you could think of a couple others. And so let's just, let's just go through them. Um, Why do we close our eyes when we pray? We just wanted to take a quick break to share about a sponsor of today's episode, Faithful Counseling. Let's face it, life can be hard. It's so important to show up for yourself and your loved ones through all of the struggles life can bring. One way you can do this is by checking in regularly with a Christian therapist. We know not everyone has the time or the money for in-person therapy, but thanks to Faithful Counseling, Christian therapy can be accessible to anyone. You can speak to your counselor by video, phone, or text. Scheduling is so easy, and financial aid is available. I recently started using Faithful Counseling myself, and I admit I had never been to a therapist, and I was kind of nervous about the process. But I was shocked at how easy it was to get started, how convenient it is to communicate with my counselor, and how easy she is to talk to. We would love for you to find out for yourself how beneficial Christian counseling can be. So our sponsor, Faithful Counseling, is offering you 10% off your first month when you use our special link at faithfulcounseling.com slash praying. I mean, I, our kids have asked this before and, and Mm -hmm. I'll say, you know, you don't have to close your eyes. You don't Mm -hmm. have to fold your hands, but closing your eyes to me blocks out distractions. And I think it frees other people to pray or worship in a way that they want to pray or worship and without Uh it being a distraction, but I don't know for kids, especially, and for me personally, because I Mm -hmm. do, I don't, I, sometimes I do leave my eyes open when we pray, but I find that I focus better when I close my eyes just to be able to kind of be like, okay, block out the distractions. 
And for me, I think with my eyes closed, it's the opposite. With my eyes mm-hmm. closed, it is an infinite canvas of blackness. And right? I don't mean that like in a yes. bad way. I mean that in this is my brain to think about anything in the world. So I actually like my favorite thing to look at while I pray is just looking at the window mm-hmm. at, you know, trees or things like we're all surrounded by nature here in Alaska. So that's my favorite because that actually gives me a focal point. So that's for people who are really having a hard time focusing while you're praying alone, go ahead and try it. Pick a focal point, um, a candle, a like stare. How long can you stare at the fire in a fireplace or a campfire? Like I could do that for a couple hours Mm -hmm. and have that be the only thing that I'm kind of focusing on. So some kind of focal point, but I do sometimes, um, I'm working in our church office a couple hours a week. And sometimes if I just want to pray there, my desk isn't facing any kind of window. And the only window that exists in that office is just the, um, parking lot. So it's, it's not conducive for me. So I have found a YouTube channel that just has like videos of nature. I love that. And yeah, I'll just put that on and I'll watch a stream. Like I'm watching a stream of a stream and, (laughs) and having something to look at something in nature to focus my eyes on helps me to focus. Whereas, yeah, if I were to close my eyes, then like everything is fair game for me to start thinking about. Well, that really makes me think about our middle kid when he was in the preschool Sunday school class. Um, you know, I would ask the the teacher who was one of my good friends, how he was doing. And she's like, Oh, he has a hard time focusing during the lesson. Mm-hmm. And she's one week, she was like, we had a breakthrough. One of the helpers was mm-hmm. this young man who also as a child had trouble focusing mm-hmm. and gave my son a little car to hold. And he's like, yeah. I always felt like when I had something in my hands to play with, mm-hmm. um, it was easier for me to focus. And so he let him hold the, and she's like, he listened through the whole serve the whole Bible Mm -hmm. lesson and he answered questions. And so, uh, sometimes I think definitely there are certain, like having something to focus on is better than having nothing to focus on. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. also think sometimes it's hard to stay awake while we pray for me. Like if I'm tired already, or if it's Mm -hmm. nighttime or early in the morning and I want to have a devotion, um, doodling or drawing or coloring, Mm -hmm. that can be a great way to stay awake and just have something that's not, you know, nondescript for your mind to focus on while you pray. And it can even help guide your prayers. Well, to be fair, I have never once fallen asleep while pacing. So you could also try. Oh, that's really good. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. And, and I work hard on that (laughs) incorporating walking and exercise Mm. with praying is also just so healthy and gets your Mm. brain flowing and probably yeah get your blood physically. moving mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah all right um so there's no biblical mandate one way or the other this is 100 convention um what about bowing your head and folding your hands like i remember in sunday school like as a little little girl this became almost a chant it was like close your eyes and bow your head like it it was kind of a sing-songy let's get ready to pray now (laughs) yeah I there well and there's actually this little um preschool song and it's like um like open shut them open shut them give a little clap 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 open shut them open shut them put them in your lap lap. (laughs) yeah it's that same kind of idea Uh, yeah which you know I think uh I, I think it's another way maybe for children to keep themselves from wiggling and fidgeting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, no, I think this one is absolutely, it just, it's a way to keep little kids in their place, you know, yeah. and, and that's important. I'm not saying that's bad. Um, I actually did the like grouchy grandma thing a couple of weeks ago, we were taking communion and two teenage boys were sitting behind me just talking, like mm-hmm. not even kind of whispering, like it was like carrying on a conversation yeah. while they were passing out the elements. And I, I did the grouchy grandma and I turned around and shushed them. Um, I think there's a time to, especially in corporate prayer, you don't want to be distracting, yeah. you know, like Imagine being in a prayer circle with six adults and the person you're sitting next to is bouncing their leg really, 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 really really fast for some people. That would be one of my children. 
<laughs> yeah, for some people, that's going to be pretty distracting. So I would say this is a convention specifically for kids. Um, I don't hear pastors telling people, I guess, bowing your heads maybe. And, and that one, I think you were right. Like it, it adds a layer of privacy. Do you remember like when um, at an evangelistic meeting, you know, where it's going to be like, does anybody want to raise their hands to, right. to pray and get saved? It's like with every, how do they say it? With every head bowed and every eye closed. So yes. there's a sense of privacy there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, yeah, bowed head is probably for privacy. Folded hands is probably for kids to keep from fidgeting. I don't, do you now, think many I did adults? Look, I, oh, did, okay. I did look up the, the folding of hands. And so there's the folding hands, like, like fingers down, there's folding hands with the fingers pointed up, which is how a lot of people are taught in the beginning to pray. Like when the kids. prayer emoji. And some people <laughs> say that that is intended so that your prayers will be conducted to heaven. Oh, okay. It's symbolizing your prayers going upwards to heaven mm-hmm. that now, whether or not that is where any of that came from, I don't know. And the other thing about bowing heads is that is kind of a sign. Bowing is a sign of submission. It's mm-hmm. a sign of reverence. It's a sign of, um, respect, respect. So that mm-hmm. could be part of the, and I don't know in some Asian cultures that there is a hand together. Is that like potentially also a sign of reverence and submission. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That could be, if that could um, be there's like a taken formal back bow. to the early church, like <laughs> yeah, a, a formal bow. Mm-hmm. So maybe that mm-hmm. is maybe something with hands. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm even thinking about the yoga practice that I do mm-hmm. and there's, um, so when you're standing tall and you do the folded hands and kind of have them like palms together mm-hmm. at the level of your chest, um, they call that sometimes like you're at your heart center mm-hmm. there, there kind of is a sense of like inward focus there. Mm-hmm. So there's almost a, um, a symbolic, I am focusing on what's going on at my core and in yeah. my heart. So oh, that's a good point too. I, I actually think that, yeah, there are certain postures that help you to focus more. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about like, well, you need to kneel because it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> Some people think that that's the only reason why Christians kneel. Well, it's because you're really uncomfortable. And so you're going to like get your prayers done faster. Or something. No, I mean, I but, definitely see the kneeling as sort of a reference back to kneeling before a King. Absolutely. And yeah. mm-hmm. putting yourself out there just, mm-hmm. you know, on the ground, mm-hmm. like I am submitting yeah. to you, Lord. Yeah. Like going again, back to yoga. Are you familiar with what child's pose is? Yes. Yeah. So you're, you're sitting like with your legs folded under you and your arms are out and your, your head, your forehead's on the ground and you're just, yeah, you're bowed down. Mm -hmm. Um, You can do it as a stretch, (laughs) but it can also be like, there are certain postures that do convey different at the very least different symbolic ideas. So Mm -hmm. when you're kneeling or in something like child's pose with your face on the ground and your arms outstretched there absolutely is a uh, symbolic sense of surrender there. Yep. Um, anything else with kneeling? Cause I know that that was one on there, but we just, I think kind of touched on that. Yeah. Do you ever, do you kneel much when you pray? I don't. I, I used like when I was a kid, I used to kneel down at the foot of my bed, kind of like, you know, is that how your parents taught you? Yeah. With Uh my, with my hands like this. Mm -hmm. And I would say, now we lay me, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. Amen. I did not do the, if I die before I I wait. (laughs) No, I didn't learn that till later. And I thought, good grief. How morbid. Yeah. Gracious. But anyway, um, but yeah, that's how I did when I was a kid, but no, but there have been times when I have felt led to take my shoes off. Um, mm. and, uh, and maybe it's like that reference of being on holy ground, yeah. or maybe it's mm-hmm. just feeling connected. Um, and, and I don't often pray on my knees, but there mm-hmm. are times when I am really surrendered and desperate and I will just basically put my whole body, my, you know, kneel down and just put my face on the ground and pray. And that to me is just a surrendered posture of Mm -hmm. 
God, I need you right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and talking about, we, we want to keep in mind with some of these conventions, sort of how we talked about in a corporate worship setting, like if you're absolutely called to drop to your knees, I would never want to stop you. Mm-hmm. Right. And in some churches, that kind of thing is very, it's common enough that people wouldn't be weirded out in other churches. People might be like, wow, this person must be like, they must've gotten a terminal diagnosis (laughs) or something. So again, some of it probably is based on your personality. If you're going to do that in a public setting, Um, you and I are probably the not rock the boat type of people. Um, Mm -hmm. I love how you said it though. Like, so your spirit can drop to its knees (laughs) or yeah. I'm even thinking like in my bedroom, if, if Scott walked in, like, I'm just going to be real (laughs) with everyone. If Scott walked in and I was kneeling at the, like the foot of our bed, he would be very concerned. Mm -hmm. He would think that I was having some kind of massive spiritual crisis. And I would just have to be like, uh, no, I just decided to try to pray on my knees. (laughs) Right. So some of these might be things to try, like in your very private prayer closet, um, I do a lot of yoga before bed and I've never thought about it before, but I think some of it kind of is because it's a, it's a way for me to get into some of these postures that allow me to be prayerful and reflective, but it's not going to like make my husband think that I'm, um, you know, dying (laughs) or in the throes of spiritual anguish or something like that. Yeah. And I, I just think an easy question to ask yourself is, am I, what is, what is the reason I'm doing this? Is this a, is it drawing me closer to God? And if the answer is yes, then that's good. Is it taking away from someone else's ability to draw close to God? And if the answer is yes, or maybe I would steer away from it. But the other end of that is, am I taking this posture? So people will think that I'm more spiritual because I've been in that position Mm -hmm. too, Mm -hmm. where I've been in both where I've been in a place where I have wanted to worship with my hands raised in the air because mm-hmm. I want to feel closer to God. But I felt like mm, that might be a little bit of a distraction here in this mm-hmm. particular setting. Mm-hmm. But I've also been in situations where everybody else is doing it and I haven't yeah. felt led to worship in that way. And I've thought, well, if I don't raise my hands, they're going to wonder what's wrong with you. <laughs> seem like I'm very spiritual. So, okay, yeah. I'll do the shout out. But so try to get in touch with your inner motives and, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of that. Yeah. And remember that these are conventions. There are probably certain cultures where if your husband didn't see you kneel by the foot of the bed before you climbed in, he would think there was something wrong with your spiritual life. Do you know what I mean? Like, just remember these are, these are cultural conventions. They're not commands. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, we're, there are certain times raise up holy hands in prayer and mm-hmm. things like that. But I don't think it means that every single time that you're at a church service, your hands must be in the air for at least mm-hmm. 10 seconds or longer to be well, <laughs> on good terms and, with God. And think about someone who is not able to have motion of their hands. Of course, yeah. if that person can't physically raise their arms, yeah. it's not sinful not to raise your arms. Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of people couldn't kneel. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or right. to do so, yeah, or would, would be so of, uncomfortable that yeah. they wouldn't be able to focus on their prayers. Yes. Right. So, so much of these things that are convention, it turns into kind of like you do you, I'll do me. And we will um, appreciate the freedom that we have in Christ Mm -hmm. to be expressive. And I would hate to see somebody judge somebody else's convention, right? Like um, there were some churches where the worship style is much more flamboyant, right? And there's kind of like lots of, if not like all in dancing, you know, like you're, you're swaying in the spirit, Um, and for somebody who goes to a more stoic church where like even clapping to the beat might be a little bit like weird, mm-hmm. that's going to feel strange to you possibly, but don't assume that those people are doing it to catch attention, right? right. Like give other believers and their prayer conventions the benefit of the doubt that they are doing it to please and worship God. Absolutely. Because yeah, because many of them probably are. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. There's so much freedom in 
how we worship. Mm -hmm. Scott was talking to me once. There is, there's kind of two schools of thought about how to run a church service. And one of those schools of thought is if it is not specifically mentioned as something that the early church did, it has no place in a worship service. And if you carry that to its conclusion, it becomes a tiny bit ridiculous. That means that we should never have bulletins. We should never have announcements. You can't use plastic um, chairs or metal chairs. That's right. You can't pass Only a plate yeah. because that's not mentioned. Like they mentioned yeah. that they take up an offering. They don't mention passing a plate. Mm-hmm. Um, that means you can't have any instrument that wouldn't have existed 2000 which, years ago, which there some actually churches, are churches do that do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, like you can't have a PowerPoint to see the lyrics. Like there's so many, my thought is if it's not expressively forbidden and if it brings glory to God, then we've got so much freedom. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. there were certain things that happened in the early church that would make us feel really awkward. Like I don't want to show up at church and have someone wash my feet. I don't want someone to greet me with the holy kiss, you know, well, or, you know, that all women have to have their heads covered and cannot speak until spoken to, or, you know, can't wear jewelry or whatever. Some of the, some of the very, you know, mm-hmm. cultural instructions for the church are also, mm-hmm. you know, th- that's another probably discussion for another time, not specifically related to prayer, but you know, it just, there are a lot of, there are a lot of things that are, that are specifically mentioned that, mm-hmm. that we don't necessarily yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. So just remember, especially if you're in another culture or another subculture and you're worshiping or seeing how other people worship and it's very different from yours, it's going to feel weird, but assume that those believers are doing it to the glory of God, right? Like I've always been in pretty small kind of country-esque churches for my entire adult life. And so to go to a church with light shows and laser beams and, you know, kind of the rock band feel and smoke and all of that, it would be easy for me to be like, oh, look at these people just putting on a show, Mm -hmm. right? But no, there's, there's nothing that says that you can't have a light show at church. There's nothing that says that you can't have an entire full band at church. And so let's just assume that they're doing it for the glory of God. Um, is everybody? No, but that's the same in my itty bitty country church, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> well, and so. I think it's also important to note if you're in a church or you know of a church that doesn't allow anything, any instruments that weren't, mm-hmm. you know, back in way, whatever, if, if they require head coverings for women, if the people going to that church are good with that and they're worshiping God in those ways, mm-hmm. we shouldn't be judging that. It's kind of like the whole meat sacrifice to idols and the disputable matters within the church. Now, mm-hmm. adding requirements to worship God, that, that goes into mm-hmm. another thing that we can't be okay yeah. with. But Mm -hmm. if someone is going to a church where they don't want to have certain instruments, because that's okay. It's like, there's nothing that says you have to have them. (laughs) There's nothing that says you have to have them. And so Mm -hmm. that is part of the freedom is accepting that there are people that are going to worship differently in a different way. And and they don't have Mm -hmm. to let go of all of the conventions that they may have grown up with. Mm Mm-hmm if they're worshiping God in spirit and in truth, and if it's biblical in terms of, of the gospel they're believing in, I think Absolutely. that's, yeah, yeah, we need to not judge on either side of the mm-hmm. spectrum. For sure. So going back to some of the conventions that are more common for us, where, where we are, um, why do we pray before we eat? Because like we mentioned in our last episode, there is, there's no command that says this is what you must do, but for, I would say most Christian families, that might be the only time they, they pray together. So how do you think it is that praying before meals became such a big deal? I think that when Jesus broke the bread and said, this is mm-hmm. my body, this is my body broken for you. And, and this is the blood of the covenant. Um, that definitely turned into a sacrament of communion that mm-hmm. we re- recognize as a church. But I think he says, 
remember this, do this as often as you drink this, as often as you eat this. So maybe as people, as often as they ate bread, they were like, yeah, but could that maybe have just meant the Passover supper? That's kind of how I took it. That very well could maybe, you know, we don't know. That could be, I'm just wondering if Mm -hmm. when it, when it translated to Gentiles that maybe they took that as, okay, well, Mm -hmm. as often as we break bread, we'll give thanks just like Jesus gave thanks for the bread that, but that's, that's a good point that that was a very specific Jewish time of the Passover. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there's a ton to be said for praying before you eat, but yeah, Um, Deuteronomy talks about, you know, once your bellies are full, don't, don't forget God. Like, don't Mm. forget to thank the Lord who brought you into this promised land. Um, We do have examples of Jesus giving thanks. And also when he feeds the 5,000, he gives thanks first. Mm -hmm. Um, For a lot of families, that is the one time where everybody is at the same spot at the same time. So I think that makes it uh, just from logistical standpoint, a really good opportunity to pray. So I'm all for praying before meals. I just find it interesting that some people treat it as such a command. Well, I definitely felt that way for a long time and I would feel guilty. There were times when we had people to our home that were not Christians or were openly atheist or, Mm -hmm. you know, did not like hostile to Christianity even. And I would feel guilty. There were times when we would pray to make a point in a way, like, okay, we are Christians. We're not going to give Mm -hmm. up our, our ritual of praying just because someone else is at the table. Or I would maybe be like, okay, I need to make sure to pray because this person Mm -hmm. is here. They need to see an evidence of my Christianity. I don't know that that's necessarily right either. And there were times when I have not prayed because I felt like it would make the person uncomfortable or make them feel Mm -hmm. like I was trying to make a show of it when I'm like, they know Mm -hmm. I'm a Christian, you know, are they going to think more or less of me if we make a point of praying? And Mm -hmm. so I don't really know, honestly, of those three different, um, takes on things or actions. I think each of those three things could be right at a different time. And I think we need to be sensitive to the Holy spirit's leading. Um, Mm -hmm. our family does not pray every night or or Mm -hmm. every meal that we're together. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. And I used to feel like I was sinning if we forgot to, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I've gotten to the point where I'm like, of course we're not sitting. And like you said, there, God, uh, we, we make times to pray other times. And, Mm -hmm. and if we don't pray specifically for the food, as you said, it's not necessarily commanded to pray before we eat. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's an interesting one. Like I said, I still think it's a great custom, but I think it's important to remember it is a custom. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm getting nervous. I think some people might be like ready to (laughs) never listen to us again. Because we we said you don't, because you say you don't (laughs) have to pray before. I don't know. Really? I don't. Okay. Well, if, if you have a problem, we would love to hear from you. We want to talk it out because we do not want to lose listeners based on opinions <laughs> on when we do. Um, because as we've said before, we are, uh, everything, most things that we say on the podcast are coming from our opinion. Um, mm-hmm. and we don't yeah. claim to be theologians. So if mm-hmm. you think that there's a biblical or scriptural basis for praying before each meal, let us know. Cause we would like yeah. to know that, but I and think, I would say failing to teach your children to pray. Yeah. That's a really big, no, no. That is a huge parenting mistake. Does that mean it has to be before meals? No, it's often like the easiest <laughs> and most convenient, you know, when the kids were littler and got tucked in, that was another time to pray. Like I don't tuck in my 16 year old, you know, there were some nights we have dinner. He goes up to his room and I don't see him till the next morning, you know? Yeah. So absolutely. It's so important to teach your children to pray. Doing that before meals for many families with busy schedules is probably the best idea. Mm-hmm. Is it a prescriptive? It must be done this way. And if you don't do it, your kids are going to burn in hell. No, absolutely not. Well, and I think it's like the other things we talked about where there are times when I think it could be a great witness to someone. It could be a great, um, like model for someone who may not 
have interactions with a Christian family to see a genuine heart for prayer, if that's why you're doing it. And, and so I, I, I think if, if that is something that you do as a family and when people come over, that could be a great time of, of sharing just an example of your love for God for someone else. But I think the danger comes in when we do things for show to look spiritual or Mm -hmm. viewing people as a project, like, oh, I'm going to teach this person Mm -hmm. what it looks like to be a good Christian. You know, that kind of attitude isn't maybe the right motive. So like anything, I think it's going into it with being led by the Holy Spirit and doing what is best for your particular family. And if for your family, you feel like it is. Uh, something that you need to set as a priority of Mm -hmm. no matter who's at the table, no matter where we are as a family, we do pray Mm -hmm. for the reason that we're setting God apart at, or we're setting ourselves apart for God. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's, that's a wonderful thing. So, yeah. yeah. But watch your testimony in other areas too. Like I'm Uh, picturing a hypothetical family who makes a huge show of praying. Like Mm -hmm. how awkward is it when you're praying and the waiter or waitress comes up Mm -hmm. and then, okay, so let's just, let's assume they're in the middle of praying. The waitress comes up and they make a really big show, you know, like they hold up their finger. You must wait for us (laughs) to get done praying. That's fine. But then let's say that for the rest of their meal, they're really, really rude. Mm -hmm. And they leave a really pathetic tip. Like that is not helping to win someone over into the kingdom. So that would be the other thing to remember. There were certain things like, that's why, that's why I would never put a Christian bumper sticker on my car. It's not because I don't want to be a witness for God. It's because I don't want to accidentally like cut someone off and get them mad at me. And then they see my Christian bumper sticker and get mad at God. My husband has said that before. He's like, I don't want a bumper sticker or anything. He used to have a kind of a cool bumper sticker on his Jeep when we were in Uh college. But anyway, it was, um, but but he, he is not for a long time. And he has said, he's like, I'm just afraid that I'm going to make a mistake outside of the car or exactly. Car and I'm mm-hmm. going to be a bad example. It's a bad witness. Yeah. Even Which, if it's, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to need to go soon, but I want to wrap up with the, the two that we have about closing prayer. Yeah. So, uh, question one is why do we pray in Jesus name? And why do we say amen? And we've talked about the Jesus name as a mm-hmm. coffee break one time, like yeah. do we pray in, Je- why do we pray ago, in Jesus name. It was. And so I have actually gotten, I used to always just out of habit say in Jesus name, amen. Mm-hmm. And I have made a point and you'll probably notice in our prayers during <laughs> the podcast, sometimes uh-huh. I say it and sometimes I don't, and I'm intentional about not always saying it. And mm-hmm. it's kind of for myself to not make it a superstitious habit ritual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There, when I am writing a prayer for someone or when I am praying, sometimes when I am really just impassioned about that prayer, I'll say in the powerful name of Jesus, because I believe that, yes, we are praying in the name of Jesus and it has Mm -hmm. power and authority. And I love that, but I am intentional about not always saying in Jesus name, amen. Right. It does just roll off of your tongue. And I don't Mm -hmm. think, I think the reason is because we're told if you ask anything in my name, Mm -hmm. it will be done for you by my father in heaven. Or when you're gathered in my name, I am there among you. Mm -hmm. So we take that very seriously. Jesus is the one through Mm -hmm. whom everything is done and through whom everything was created. And so his name carries weight. So I think that's important to know and remember, but Again, it's, you know, if you like praying in Jesus name, by all means do it, but think about why and feel the weight of that name when you say it, I think mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah. You know, I, I'm in agreement. It can be a powerful reminder that it is through Jesus that we have access to pray, but it's not. Like, you know, if you forget to put a stamp on your envelope, right. that envelope won't get mailed. It's, it's not always like in you... his name. Right. Right. So I'm fine with it, but I don't think, again, I don't think it's a have to, um, my husband actually called me out on it, which I didn't appreciate at the time, <laughs> but for a little bit, I was leading the music at the church where he was the head pastor. And so I would start our time of worship with prayer. It's like, why don't you 
why do you just say amen? Why don't you say in Jesus name, amen? And I didn't really have an answer for him at the time. Um, and I forget if I just like tried to remember to do it or, or I, I don't really remember the outcome of that, but I remember being like, well, okay, let's go back to it though. Does it have to happen? No. If for some reason it's making people upset that you don't, is it going to hurt you to add? Probably not. Right. So again, maybe it's, if it's a big deal in your circle, <laughs> as apparently it was at least for that little bit of time at our church, sure. It's not, doesn't hurt, <laughs> right? Like it's not wrong, but also it's not a have to. My guess is it probably like that church ended up being one of those churches where people were often kind of nitpicking about things. So my guess is probably someone brought it up to my husband. My husband brought it up to me. He didn't want to make things awkward between me and someone else. So he didn't tell me like who had a problem with it. In those cases, I mean, again, you and I are more of the don't make waves personality. I don't think it would have been wrong for me to continue to pray the way I pray because that's how I pray. Either one, I think is fine. So again, we're just kind of balancing convention and personal preference. And really, again, there's a lot of freedom in that. I think so too. And it just, it, it goes down, it goes along with just unity, freedom in Christ, mm -hmm. but unity in the body. And yeah. that idea that if someone, you know, the, the meat sacrifice to idols, if someone thinks that it's wrong to eat meat, meat sacrifice to idols, even though, you know, that there's nothing magical about that meat, then just don't do it to help them in their faith. Even though you, you know, what is it going to hurt you to mm -hmm. not eat meat sacrifice to idols goes along with what's it going to hurt you to say in Jesus yeah. name in a public setting, if that's the way that your church members prefer. Yeah. But at the same time, I can, I can definitely see feeling like, Oh yeah. Or do I want to be the trailblazer who proves to everybody that it's okay to not say in Jesus name, amen. Right. You know, like right. again, a lot of it probably just comes down to your, to your personality too. Mm -hmm. um, what about amen? What is your understanding of the actual definition of the word amen? Cause I've heard a couple different ones. Well, off the top of my head, I've always heard that it means so be it and it's a closing, mm -hmm. but I looked it up so that I could kind of see, do Ooh. you want me to, do you want me to look to let you know what yes. this thing? So in Christianity.com, they have like the origin of amen. Okay. And it just says it's an affirmation of truth first seen in the old Testament and later in the new Testament that the first mention is found in numbers five twenty two. It means so be it. And it originated in the Hebrew scriptures as a reply of confirmation as an affirmative response made by the people so that mm -hmm. it's, you know, the people are responding with amen to receive the blessing. So, you know, yeah. blessed be the Lord of God of Israel from now until all eternity. Amen. So be it. Yeah. Let that blessing come to me. Yeah. I've heard of it as so be it. I've also heard of it just kind of as yes, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm adding my yes. Yes. And amen. This. Isn't mm -hmm. that in the Bible? How it Jesus is all is, of our promises of our are promises. yes. And amen through mm -hmm. Christ. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's a nice way to close. If you don't say amen, does that mean like, <laughs> is it like back before cell phones where you would leave your phone off the hook and eventually you'd hear the dit, 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 dit. no, I mean, <laughs> again, <laughs> it's convention, but okay. In a public setting, it is a nice way to like, it can be kind of jarring. Like every so often our pastor might, um, stand up, do announcements. Like we say, dear God, and we say, amen, sometimes as a way just to let people know the start and the end of prayer time, right? right? It would be a tiny bit jarring, even for our listeners, if we didn't give them some of those cues, right? Because like when, when we open up in prayer for the show, some women are just going to listen to that. Some women are going to actually like heartfully join us in our prayers. And so like saying amen is going to let them know, okay, the you know, prayer time's done. <laughs> um, so yeah, again, I think it can be powerful. I like the idea of reminding ourselves that we are giving a sense to it. And actually that's another cautionary tale for people in a corporate prayer setting is to be careful what you are saying amen to, mm. right? Um, have a tiny bit of uh, um, guardedness in your mm. spirit, right? Like if I'm praying with somebody that I've just met for some reason or other, I'm going to go into that prayer with a lot more guardedness. If you and I sit down to pray, my spirit's wide open and I'm ready to amen just about anything that you bring up. Right. But there is a sense of, uh, 
protecting what you give your amen to. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Well, amen. <laughs> Told this story on our last episode how my kid would would make amen to be like, okay, we're done now, right? Mm-hmm. Amen. He that's would get right. tired of of the book we're reading. Amen. And then he just closed the book. I so, love it. Here we go. Amen. Come on, Jamie. Amen. No, I'm joking. Um, if you have enjoyed our podcast, we would love if you left us a rating and a review wherever you listen. It It's a short thing on your end, but it actually really helps us with some of the visibility and things like that. And we will leave you now with our blessing and benediction to which we will say amen so that you know that our show is done. We're going to say it twice. Oh, good for us. We're, uh, <laughs> we're extra, extra spiritual today. May the Lord open the eyes of your heart and fill you with wisdom in the inmost places. May the glorious Father grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know Christ, who has become for us wisdom from God. In the areas of your life in need of guidance, may God grant you his wisdom in abundance so that you will not lean on your own insight, but rely on the full riches of complete understanding, which are yours in abundance through Christ. And our benediction is from Revelation 22, 20 to 21, and it actually has two amens in the text, so... Couldn't have planned it better. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.